Welcome back to Stargate Weekly. I'm Stuart Hollis. And I'm Thad Haight. This week, we're talking about Season 3, Episode 17, 100 Days. Yeah, but it will actually only take 45 minutes. Hopefully. We'll see. It originally aired on the 4th of February, 2000, and was written by... The story was by V.C. James. Uh, Her only other writing credit is a story credit for the 90s iteration of The Outer Limits. Uh, But she was also a production associate for Season 2 of Stargate SG-1. The teleplay was by Brad Wright, and it was directed by David Wary Smith. Our synopsis from TV Guide... A freak accident leaves Jack stranded on a planet with no way to return. That's good. I think we've decided we're not going to read the ridiculously verbose Stargate wiki. No, because they are ridiculously verbose and also wordy. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, Foreign language titles on this one, we don't have a lot of excitement. Most people call it 100 Days. The French do call it The Fire Rain, though. Eh, 100 Days is better. Yeah, I agree. Besides, if we... Called it the fire rain. We'd have to turn off the episode in the first minute, whereas with 100 Days, you make it almost two-thirds of the way through. Mm. So, speaking of the fire rain, we open up looking at two moons, maybe? Or maybe, like, another... Maybe they're actually on a moon and not a planet? And they're looking at a... Anyway, there are these two celestial objects in the sky. Yes. And they're, like, really big. Like, way bigger than they rightfully should be. Well, I mean, just because our moon is small doesn't mean their moons are small. This seem like way bigger than they than they should be. <laughs> All right. Anyway, yeah, they're just hanging out in this field, and we're talking about the fire rain, and it's like it's the big night when the fire rain begins. That's exciting. Yeah. And apparently, it's just it's just meteors streaking across the sky. Yep. And we have one that streaks very close across the sky. Yes. And all I've got to say is, dang, their like atmosphere is clear as well. Something that's very clear. Glass. Yeah. That works. Well, you know, it helps that there's apparently only, like, 50 people living here, and they don't have a industrial age. Yeah, I suppose that's true. And there's no light pollution at the moment, so, yeah, okay. Right, that's what I'm saying. All right. Well, like, in addition to, like, pollution, in addition to, in addition to no air pollution, or little, because they have fires, uh, there's no light pollution either. Or very limited light pollution. They're also probably far enough away from the village. Right. Yeah, so yeah, so there's the near miss, which kind of freaks out everyone except Lara, who is our local. Mm-hmm. Lara also explains that the fire rain happens on the same night every year. And it gets more spectacular every year. Yes. Which makes them even more nervous. And this is only the first day. Like, it'll get increasingly more spectacular the next couple of nights. Our crew is or crew huh, i'm starting to sound like tv guide our yeah. team is understandably a little concerned about this and then we get the theme
after the theme, we come upon the just cute little village. It's just so cozy. Quaint, even. With their with their little thatched roofs. There's a good thing there's no Trogdor around. He burninates all the villages. Mm, especially the thatched roof cottages. Yes. We're, we're inside uh, Lara's house. And we have a thick 90s laptop. Yeah, that I'm surprised it's, you know, able to run without being plugged in. Really. I know, like... Yeah, usually they last, like, two minutes. Well, especially because Sam's running this, like, active simulation. That's got to be burning through power. But anyway, we digress. <laughs> yeah, she's showing their simulation of their solar system and saying, see, you know, this here is your planet. And there's this asteroid belt th- here. And at this time of the year, you kind of skirt the asteroid belt a little bit. And uh, apparently you're picking up big rocks now. And that's bad. A little bit. So Daniel was also going to check the geological record. And first we, we, and this is where we meet Lara's son, Garen. Yes. Who, interestingly enough, Garen, uh, the actors who play Garen and Natha, who we have not seen yet, but is mentioned in this scene. Yes. Will also play uh, two characters in the Atlantis episode, Childhood's End. The one where the children commit suicide when they hit a certain age. Yeah, I heard the episode, not them being on it. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, Natha, who doesn't get called out by name in this episode, but gets referenced to uh, while Lara is embarrassing her son by saying, oh, don't worry, he can show you where the caves are. He, for some reason, is always exploring them with this girl. Yes. Natha is played by Julie Patswald, yes. who is the only person on this episode who was on the Dead Zone. Uh, yeah, so now we, uh, we we cut to the cave. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's Teal'c and Daniel and Garen and Natha, who I don't, I still don't know if she's gotten her name yet. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know when she gets her name because I don't. I'm sure it happens somewhere, unless the Stargate Wiki made it up as usual. Well, IMDb also says Natha. Okay, so it's definitely going to be in the script, whether or not it's called out. Yeah, her name gets dropped at some point. I definitely recall this. Okay, I just can't remember when. But anyway, so Daniel's there examining this wall and just kind of geeking out about a little vial filled with dirt and he's explaining that we see here with all these striations that every 150 years a bunch of naquita dust gets kicked up and then settles back down and gets kind of compacted and we think that's from the fire rain and oh look at the time it's 150 years again yeah and while he's saying this uh garen says that this is cool because that's what o'neill says and Daniel's like, mm, not really in this case. And I don't know. I mean, impending doom aside, it is kind of cool. The geological record and all that. It's objectively cool. Yeah. It's just subjectively maybe not cool. Mm-hmm. So then we cut back to the SGC. Yes. Carter had asked permission to go back to the SGC to crunch some numbers on a bigger computer that is always plugged in. She... Reaches the determination that there's, like, yeah, no, like, they're totally screwed. There's hundreds of car-sized asteroids. There are hundreds of car-sized asteroids directly in the path of Adora. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how she made that determination. We never see them setting up telescopes or, say, like, satellites. But she (laughs) did. But she did. So, okay, yeah, cool. Cool. Whatever. Cool. So... Uh, she is recommending that they evacuate the people. And Hammond's like, we can't evacuate a whole planet. And this is when we find out that, oh, no, don't worry about it. It's just this village. Just like most planets in Stargate. Right, exactly. She's also saying that 
best as they can tell, these people are all that's left of this race that was taken and dumped on the planet thousands of years ago by the, by the Gould as his, like, their MO. Mm-hmm. But if there's only this many people currently, like, they've got a huge leg up on it because, like, they've got, like, proper houses and, like, rudimentary machines and tool making and et cetera, et cetera. Like, they, they're pretty well set. But that's not a big enough population to, like, last. We have this complaint multiple times, too. Yeah, I know. So. So one would presume that one of the reasons why there are only, there are so few of them left is that, you know, there's, you know, it rains fire every 150 years. Well, it rains fire every year. It just, like, hurts every 150 years. Yeah. There's a rain of fire every year, but they only bring down the beast every 150. Correct. When they take out the heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's the only way. (laughs) Such a bad movie. (laughs) It's just so bad. I love it. Has, it. <laughs> it has this like ridiculous cast. <laughs> it's a horrible movie, but I love it. But it was also made like way like before McConaughey and and Christian Bale were like. Oh God, they names. would not do that movie today. Well, they like one of like I could see one of them maybe making it just because like eh, I'm bored this year. Sure, I'll do this movie, but both of them, nah. <laughs> like I could see Ben Affleck or someone doing that, but. I could not see McConaughey or Bale doing it at this point in their career. You don't think so? McConaughey has gone, like, straight serious at this point. Well, yeah, like, you know, we're living through the McConaissance. Right. And Christian Bale is also, like, unless unless they got, they got to him by letting him be the dragon, and that would be, like, a whole other level of method acting that he hasn't done yet. No, 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 I, I was going to say that... It. I was going to say that if Bale were to make this movie today, he would go so method that he would, like, literally find a freaking dragon. <laughs> yeah. Okay, did you see the thing the other day? Um, it was going around uh, on Twitter and probably other places. Uh, it was, happy birthday to Dick Cheney and to Christian Bale. No joke, they have the same birthday. And Christian Bale is playing Dick Cheney. I know. And... and yeah, the thing that was going around is like, man, Christian Bale is just going way too far with his method acting now. <laughs> it's true, though. The, that's what I'm saying. That's what I think the only way they could get Christian Bale to do that movie today is if they gave him the opportunity to actually be the dragon, because that would be like a whole other step in method acting. And he wouldn't do like the Benedict uh, Cumberbatch way of like putting like the, the paint on oil. He would like go through surgery oh god and yeah become a freaking dragon <laughs> yes he would i do like that benedict cumberbatch did that though when he didn't have to there was no actual reason for benedict cumberbatch to do that other than for him to get inside the mind of the dragon i still haven't seen them and i'm okay with that they yeah, yeah. i napped through like half of the hobbit so <laughs> they're not the lord of the rings is better let's just put it that way so anyway back on the planet back mm-hmm. in the cave on the planet Daniel found a bowl. Which clearly means that people must have lived here, spent a lot of time living here. No, it means there's a bowl. Uh, A bowl doesn't end up in a cave just willy-nilly. So, I suppose if if he had found, like, three bowls, that would definitely have given, like, stronger evidence towards his theory that obviously people hid out in these caves... 150 years ago, the last time the fire rains rolled through. But what it could it also mean is that other young lovers like Garen and Natha come here and sometimes they bring a snack. No, no. It only means that <laughs> 150 <laughs> years ago, people hid out in this cave. 
All right. It's the only purpose for this cave. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's another near miss. The firing's coming down during the day. Lara has never seen this. Yeah. And we get another big one that almost hits. Oh, we should mention that Lara does say that there are legends of in the, in the distant past of the fire rain hitting the ground and that the sky burned for days. Yes, it was as if, as if the sun didn't set for days or something, I think was what she had said. Yeah. Yes. So, more evidence that they're totally screwed. A little bit. Yeah. So, back to the village we go, and it's like, well, okay, guess what, guys? You're all coming with us back to our planet. We're going to... Like we're just going to hunker down there for like three or four days. We'll come back, check it out. Everything will be hunky-dory. It's all good. And, well, wh- yeah, they're not all happy about that. Yeah, no. Like, one guy, Tainan, I think was his name? Tainan, I believe. He might, yeah, I think you're right. Who we had met earlier while he was fishing. He he doesn't like strangers, for one no. thing. He doesn't want, he didn't want to trade with SG-1 to begin with, and he definitely thinks that they shouldn't go through the gate we get a jack oh for crying out loud loud moment though so there's that yeah no that was good i'm just so if these are the only people on the planet and as far as painted knows no one else has had ever come through the stone circle why would he be this wary of outsiders like he's wary of outsiders in the way that it's like i always feel swindled every time the trader rolls through town like, like that's the vibe I got off of him. That it was like, like any time there's an outsider, he gets swindled. But there have never been outsiders, right? So, like, I understand you're sort of like being put offish and everything, but I, I don't know like where this mentality is coming from because it feels like a learned response. It could just be distrustful of things he doesn't, he's not familiar with. Then I feel like he it should have been portrayed differently. It's portrayed as a learned response. I don't necessarily know that it is. Okay. And he does have a bit of a point. I don't trust you now. All right. That's fair. (laughs) He does have a bit of a point. SG-1 shows up. They're really interested in this planet. They They want stuff in the soil. And now, conveniently, as soon as SG-1 shows up and wants stuff from this planet, they're telling the people they have to leave. I feel like when the big rock crashed down a few miles away, not 30 seconds after he got done saying you're all a bunch of liars and trying to steal our land and you're making stuff up. I feel like more people should have changed their minds. Hmm. Just saying. Fair enough. So. I mean, remember there were people that didn't evacuate when Mount St. Helens erupted. Yeah, that's true. So, the train left the station and they all head to the gate so they can get off, pl- uh, they, they can get out of Dodge. Lara's back in her house just grabbing a couple of, uh, like, just keepsakes or essentials or whatever. And she's calling out to her son to get something i can't remember which but the sun's not there no so she and jack go off and looking go to off to look for the sun and conveniently they both sort of like know that he's probably in the cave yeah well daniel mentions that they had talked about how previous generations had probably survived there oh good call yeah forgot that part so then we go back to the sgc and we have walter who else would you want running this show i would point that we also have some bad OPSEC, or security in general, I guess I should say. Uh, because Stargate Stargate activates, the iris is not deployed, They w- and then Walter just says, SG-1's code, here they come. Why did the iris not come on as soon as the gate activated, and then had to be released when they got SG-1's code? Yeah. but I don't have a good answer we've on had that. this. We've yeah. had this conversation before, and we'll continue to have this conversation. Either way, it's Walter, and that's exciting, because we haven't seen Walter in forever. 
Walter knows what's best. Okay, that's fair. We ha- just 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 trust in the Walter. Mm. Gary Jones is the only photo op ticket I have purchased for that convention in June. Good man. If David Hewlett were going to be there, I would have also purchased that one. Oh yeah. So we're back on the planet. The evacuation is proceeding. Uh, Sam and Teal'c are shepherding people through the gate. Daniel goes through first to like show them, look, just walk through the puddle, and then to help kind of just like scurry them along once they step through, so they're not like taking like stepping through and immediately like, stopping, so mm-hmm. they can gawk at. I mean, there's not much to gawk at, like from our perspective, it's just a bunch of concrete and glass and whatnot. But from like, their like, perspective, they've never seen concrete or glass. Well, they've probably seen glass, but also like from their perspective, like I am definitely not in Kansas anymore. Right. Actually, that's a good point. How do they have glass? Do they? I think so. They had windows. Yeah. Did the windows have glass? I'm checking. Please remain on the line as we value your call. Sure looks like they have glass. Yes, because there's scene, There's a scene in the dark, and you can see light coming through the windows, and there's like the cross beams in the middle of the windows, and there why would those crossbeams be there if there weren't also glass? Yeah, I can understand like a vertical beam just as, as like a support thing, but additional crossbeams, you don't need them. If you don't yeah, there glass. is glass in the scene. Yeah, I, I okay. have now confirmed they have glass that they shouldn't have. Unless, however many fire rain cycles ago, when there were lots more people on the planet. Maybe. Or just production error. Didn't think it all the way through. Doesn't matter. That's probably what it is. So yeah, so we're back on the planet with uh, with Sam and Teal'c. Teal'c is telling us that a third of the village decided to stay behind. That's a <laughs> lot of people. It's a lot of people. Uh, I mean, even though it's not like the village is huge or anything, like a third of it, like a third is a is a big chunk of something. Yeah, and I think now we're in the cave where Garen is explaining why he ran to the cave, and then we hear a loud boom. Uh, yes, and then they all decide to just. St- Stay in the cave. That makes sense, because they heard the boom. That would imply that there was a meteor that hit the ground. So yes. they probably don't want to go outside. Because uh, I I believe, they may not actually mention it, but I believe uh, the, it's, the reason it's so dangerous and they have so much fire afterwards is because of the naquita in the soil. They don't say that at all. No, but I am assuming that's the explanation. Or it's just stuff's on fire, yo. Yes, but <laughs> okay. I also have to wonder if the and they also don't say this, but I also have to wonder if the asteroid belt also has a high concentration of Naquita in it. Hmm, that's possible. Because I feel like, for instance, when the meteor hits right at the gate, right as Sam and Teal'c are jumping in the Stargate, Sam says, "You can't go back out there. It'll be an inferno." Why? Does Naquita burn? Yeah, I'm not sure. It explodes. I also don't know why there would be an inferno either, because it was sort of just like in a clearing. Right, as that's what I'm getting is. at. So that's why I'm assuming it's something to do with the Naquita dust. Yeah, because my understanding is actually that, yes, meteors get hot as they come down, mm-hmm. but they don't get hot all the way through. No. Because what's happening, like, as the meteor's coming down, like, a bunch of stuff is getting, like, melted off and flaked off and everything just by the friction and the heat. Yeah. So they actually cool off relatively quickly. Yeah, like, you would see some smoke or steam coming off it 
or yeah but it wouldn't yeah it shouldn't and yes if it hits something flammable it may start a fire yeah it shouldn't be an inferno when it hits in that clearing so that's why I'm I'm assuming what something that they never actually said may have been cut for time mm-hmm. or something is that it's the the Naquita makes these meteor strikes particularly uh bad. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of like a an adjective and I was not coming up with like a fiery adjective and, and <laughs> fiery would have worked. Uh <laughs> conflagratory. Yeah, I was trying to think of that, but I'm like, is that really a word? It is now. It's the beauty <laughs> of English. <laughs> so, jumping ahead a little bit to the whole, if you go back through now, there'll be an inferno. Teal'c and Sam are holding out to the last minute to see if Jack's going to come along when, oh no, an asteroid's coming right for us. So mm. they have to just bail on that mission and dive right through the gate. Yeah, and we see the gate uh, do this, the thing that's happened before when it gets too much power. Yeah, like the little flicker thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do a tuck and roll on the other side, and Teal takes out one of the lights. So this asks a question. Did the gate shift? Did the wormhole shift to another gate, and like the blast of the meteor was channeled through the gate into wherever that other gate was? Ooh. Yes. Okay. Because the Stargate, uh, admittedly, the Stargate wiki raised that point, not original. Uh, so I didn't, that was not an original thought of mine. Uh, but. That would explain why, for instance, there isn't a huge layer of dust on everything. Mm. And, the you know, why the water is still clear. Especially since the geological record shows that every 150 years is a thick layer of dust. Wait, hold on. So you're saying the one that took out the gate would have been, like, the one to cause, like, the big problem. It left a big crater, man. It was a pretty decent-sized crater. And yet some, and, and, but you're also postulating that most of the force of the impact went right through the wormhole. Yes. Hmm. I can get behind this theory. The big question is, where did it go? It, we, it, it wouldn't have gone through the, an- well, it could have. We don't know. It could have sh- gone through the Antarctic Gate. We sure. don't know for sure where the Antarctic, no, no, the Antarctic Gate is in Area 51 at this point. Oh, no, you're right. Well, no, except no. Yes. No, it's not. It got stolen. But it was, didn't it? Yeah, it was recovered. The Antarctic right, Gate yeah, is no, yeah, yeah, currently yeah. at Area Fifty One. Uh, it will not be for much longer. Did one of the warehouses at Area Fifty One just get leveled? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or is it some other planet somewhere else in the Milky Way? I hope it's a gold one. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, it couldn't happen to better people. I mean, it's hopefully not, like, the Land of Light or something like that. Well, no, haven't they brought in, like, all the Neanderthals in from the cold on the Land of Light, so now it's just sort of, like, out in the woods, so... Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, it would still be unfortunate if it happened to people that we like, but... Hmm. Ooh, the medieval people. Their gate was really far away from the village. Oh, it was, right, because they were afraid of it. <laughs> this isn't gonna help their fear of the gate. <laughs> They're, Whatever. They're really going to be sure that... The uh, fire of Satan... Bre- that's what I'm saying! Yeah, this is just going to reinforce their superstition. So... Anyway... Or maybe it's that space gate where they found the probe that tried to assimilate Jack. Oh, the moon gate. Yeah, moon gate. It wasn't a space gate, you're right. Yeah, I don't think they've encountered any space gates yet. Yeah, there's... There are so many possibilities, and most yeah. of them mean not killing people. So we'll just assume it was that. Yeah, yeah, good call. But it probably wasn't Area 51. I feel like they would have mentioned that. 
Yes. <laughs> Strangely, the warehouse at Infinity One where the gate was just got like just just freaking destroyed. <laughs> so anyway. Yes. Anyway. Back on the planet and in the cave, the the fire rain keeps coming down and Larry gets cozy with Jack because they're all scared. That's fair. Yeah. And she's been dropping hints about wanting to get cozy with Jack for a while. Oh yeah. We're back at the SGC. They're they're dialing up the gate so they can try to rescue Jack. This is now the next day, apparently. Yeah. Because they had said they were going to wait 24 hours. And everybody, including Doc Frazier, is all suited up and ready to go. Dial it up. It connects. Everything's hunky-dory. They send through a map. Nothing. Yep. Which means the gate is most likely buried because it means the map that couldn't form on the other side of the event horizon. Right. So, bad news. Which is interesting, because that <laughs> we have some contradictory stuff here. Because there are definitely other instances where, if the gate is buried, they can't even establish a wormhole. And yet, here they can establish a wormhole, they just can't use it. Well, no, because Sam walks us through this. What she's saying is that if the wormhole was still active... Oh, okay, yeah, you're hit, right, you're right, you're right. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Yeah, so it's okay. Yeah, we're good. And Sam, uh, at this point, there isn't much they can do because nothing would be able to go through the gate. So unless the people on El Edora or Adora, Adora, Adora managed to unearth the gate, the, there's not really anything they can do at this point, as far as they know. That uh, yeah. So Jack is declared officially missing in action. And now we cut back to the planet. Uh, the rains have come. They've put out the fires. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, there's not a huge layer of dust and everything. The sky is clear. Which, yeah. again, backs up the Area 51 just got leveled theory. Yes. Yeah, so we're back in the village and in one of the houses, and those, there's the villagers that decide to stay behind. The ones that are still alive. Yes, because we find out that one of the asteroids hit someone's house where three other families were were hiding out uh so they all got taken out but like how is the village still standing when these things took like hit a house okay well, it may not have been a very large one sam said they're car sized not all of them are car sized they all i need them all to be car sized <laughs> maybe one was smart car sized yeah so this one was a smart car like a fiat or like a mini or something yeah yeah you know Destroys a house, and maybe, like, the neighbor's house, but not a whole village. Exactly. Okay, fine. I mean, like, I'm thinking a car-sized asteroid would do a lot of damage, but yeah, it shouldn't destroy an entire village. I don't know, depending on the size of the crater. The, si the crater at the Stargate was freaking massive. Yeah. The, I mean, like, a car-sized asteroid is probably, like... 5,000 pounds? Yeah, but is it still going to be car-sized? I mean, at what point is this asteroid car-sized? While it is still in space, or after it has burned off a lot on its way in? Okay, even if it loses half its mass, it's still 2,500 pounds. Yeah. That's not small. My knowledge of blast radius from meteor impacts is relatively limited. Same. I mean, I know if it's really big, it, you know, kills the dinosaurs. Yes. And if it's, like, medium size, it levels a Russian forest. But beyond that, I don't know much. Yeah, me neither. 
There was that one that hit Russia just a few years ago. Oh, yeah, there was. But well, I don't think that was, one was very big in the scheme yeah, of things. Yeah, no, probably not. Huh. There were a lot of dash cam foot, uh, pi- uh, videos. Yeah, it was it, great. Though. Yeah. They love dash cams in Russia. Mm-hmm. There's so much fraud. Yeah, that's what it is. Because they, yeah. they, they had to stop insurance fraud. So, yeah, uh, after this, we're now in, uh, in Lara's house. Mm-hmm. And she's dealing out big loaves of bread. Like you do. A loaf of bread that size could probably take out a house. <laughs> Only so. if it's hard. Are you, you know, implying that she doesn't cook good bread? I don't know. And it's weird that it's like, it feels like she sort of like hands them out at random. Because there's like 20 people in her house and she bakes like three loaves of bread, like hands out two and keeps one for herself. It's a little weird. It, it's like a weird thing. But yes. anyway... And Painin is mad at Jack. What else is new? Uh, but yeah, because thanks to Jack, everyone in the vi- most of the people in the village are gone. And Jack points out that he probably saved their lives. So this is an interesting thing to think about. Mm-hmm. Okay, so obviously only one asteroid hit one house. So if everyone in the village had stayed, then like the death count actually would probably still be the same. There might have been more people in that one house, but yes, you're, it wouldn't have been that much bigger. Except, if everyone in the village had stayed, the gate might not have been open at that time, and then we wouldn't we would have had all of the blast from that. You're, I'm not disagreeing with you. I will theory, die on this hill. Okay, okay. <laughs> or in this crater. Conversely, <laughs> since the gate was going to get taken out one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Open or closed, the gate was getting taken out. If everyone had evacuated, yes, they'd all be alive and together, but they would never be going home again. That's, that is definitely true, yes, because the gate would not have been active, so it would have been completely buried. They would not have been able to... Yeah. No, 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 it would have been active, because they would have been, like, shuffling through. Okay, okay. Like, it still would have been active, but I Teal'c have to... wouldn't have been willing to do what he did. Well, there's not only that, but... Now, we're back at the SGC, where Hammond is like, listen, Major, you helped write the book on Stargate physics. We can't, like, you know, if if we're dealing with, the, like, the scenario you're proposing, which is, like, this all-natural iris got formed because of the melting and the things and the stuff, nothing's going to reintegrate. There's nothing we can do. She's like, nah, I can make a particle beam cannon and blast it like Sokar did and melt it and do cool things. I don't think that she would have worked on that project. Yeah, that's a good point. But they could have easily taken the people from the planet, from Adora, and settled them somewhere else. Yes. You know, or, like, shuffled them off to the toll and had the toll and put them on a ship and fly them back to their home or something. Yeah, that would work, too. The Toker were going to be there in a year. That's just lazy. <laughs> yes. Like, the Toker have ships that are capable of hyperspace. We don't know how far away this planet was. I guess. Remember, we have slow hyperspace in SG-1. Well, we do for now. But the other thing is, you know, the Tok'ra did come. There's half a chance they would have just blown up the planet anyway. No, because there aren't a bunch of dissidents down there. Denizens. That's what it was. Denizens. You can never be too sure. (laughs) There could be denizens hiding in the caves. Exactly. So, So Sam makes her particle beam suggestion and she immediately gets to work. And she's down in her lab, and Janet comes to check on her. 
Sam's working hard and Janet's asking her, it's like, oh, well, you miss him, don't you? She's like, yeah, I do. And then it's just like, is this a problem? A so Janet point. knows. Oh, yeah. Janet Janet knows. Yeah. Nothing gets past old Doc Frazier. <laughs> Nothing gets past old. But, and she and Sam are friends, too, so it's not that surprising. Right. I mean, everyone knows, really. <laughs> yes. Back on the planet, Jack's just skipping stones in the lake, like you do when you're cut off from your entire planet. And He did briefly try to dig up the Stargate, but stopped. Uh, yeah, we, we we don't see him like returning back to that every day. And you'd think after all this time like spent with Daniel, he would be like, conducting like a proper grid search. You'd think, yes. But when has Jack ever paid attention to Daniel? Yeah, he's just like, I'm just going to dig a hole here where I think I remember the gate being. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so he's skipping stones and Lair comes along and she's commiserating with him because, you know, she lost people because they went through the gate, but she also lost her husband. And she tells Jack that when she lost her husband, she mourned for a hundred days. And I need you to pick up the rest of the show from here because obviously I turned it off. (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) Okay. So, yeah. She, so, yeah, she and Jack, uh, she explains that Jack, yes, you need to move on. And Jack agrees, more or less. And we have the scene where they kiss. And then we're back in the SGC. No, 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 you're skipping ahead. I am? Yeah, no, you skipped the really swell transition. Oh, yeah, the, the, the yeah, you're right, there was the transition. Yeah. Because they skipped from the skipping the stones to Jack in a canoe. Yeah. Because, yeah, because he's, and he, like, walks away with his hand on her back, and the camera pans left, and it's just, like, this, like, perfect smooth transition, and there's Jack on the canoe. That was, you're right, that was a pretty good transition. He was great. Was so then, well after that, he gets out of the canoe, and they kiss. Yeah, yeah, And this actually may have been, like, the, where, like, the 100 days came up, but, like... Yes! See, that's where I was getting... <laughs> I'm sorry, the transition was so good, I had to call it out. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Yes, the, they kiss, and... You can see that Jack is accepting life on Adora. Because there was also a, not a title card, but like during the transition, a, a, a thing came up on screen saying three months later. Yes. And then, but unbeknownst to Jack, back at the SGC, they are commencing the firing sequence of the particle beam. And it's operating at 112% of predicted efficiency. Yes, that's possible. Of predicted efficiency, Yes. Yes. 112% efficiency would not be possible. No. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so they're firing, they're firing the particle beam, mm-hmm. and they need to let it run just for as long as humanly possible. Yes. Which is to say 38 minutes, I guess. Do we know it's 38 minutes at this point? I can't remember. Yes, they've established that it's 38 minutes at this point. Okay. Yeah, that's right, in um, the black hole one. Uh, yes, and that one only lasted longer than that because of the black hole thing. Mm-hmm. So, and they don't bring up the what we do get uh, a few a few seasons later, which is that if you keep feeding energy through the gate, maybe it needs to be like the right kind of energy, then you can leave the gate open indefinitely, like Anubis does. Correct. When his agent really should have called him and told him to tone things down. Yes. So actually, maybe it is just that it's like 38 minutes if nothing's happening. Yeah. And so there's plenty of times where it's like they walk through and the gate shuts off like 10 seconds later or something. Yeah, there's that too. Maybe it's being turned off by Walter. That could be. Anyway. Gotta save energy. Yeah. How is he gonna keep the lights on? Which still makes me wonder how they're powered on planets, but anyway. 
crystals. Anyway, we're, we cut back to the planet, and Jack and Payton are getting drunk. Yeah, you know, as men do. Yeah, and it is some absolute rot gut, but Jack is willing to have some more. Well, he hasn't had a, he hasn't had any to drink for a hundred days. That's at true. Least. So, yeah. so he's thirsty, and he's not the only one. <laughs> no. Uh, they're watching as Garen gets this handkerchief tied around his eyes and spun around and parked in front of his lady friend and Nathan. Clearly, the ancestors guided him, and not all of the, all of his friends who moved him directly to in front of her. Right. And then someone pulls Jack up and does the exact same thing to him and parks in front of Lara. Yeah. And she takes him home, and Garen's not home. And then we go back to the SGC, because we're done with the particles. And we send them out through. We get picture for a second or so, and then it falls back into the event horizon and is destroyed. Yes, because they have determined that the Stargate is roughly horizontal. So, is that what happens if you try, if you, like try to go into a outgoing wormhole does it just kill you i just assumed you just couldn't go through it yeah i don't know or i mean an incoming wormhole not an outgoing but yeah. sure 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 yeah if you go the wrong way yeah yeah that's I what they're really... certainly implying because otherwise it would be like the mouth would just like sit there on top of the wormhole and keep feeding video back until the kawoosh destroyed it later right Hmm. So I guess I mean that's certainly that that's certainly seems to what they're to be what they're saying is like yeah that if you like fully go back like if you fully cross the event horizon now you're in like the the matter stream I guess that is the wormhole and you well c- yeah because you you step through the event horizon and you get broken down into a matter stream and you're transmitted to the other side so, so you just come back out. Like, shouldn't because, the mouth be, like, stuck in, a, you know, like, a loop or something? Just, like, bobbing up and down? Yeah. I don't think so, because momentum is maintained as you cross through, as you cross the event horizon, but it's unidirectional. Hmm. See, my thought was, I just assumed you couldn't cross the event horizon going the other way. That, like, it would be a more or less solid goo and not goo that you could stick your hand in. I had never really given it any thought. But, yeah, I guess this episode is certainly implying that it is goo you can stick your hand in, but you'll never get that hand back. Well, you never get your hand back. You'll certainly never get the hand back if you then turn off the gate. <laughs> no. But I, I think that it's mostly that it's, yeah, if you fully cross the event horizon, I wonder, like, if you could do it. No, because you're converted into a matter stream. I guess. But you don't get fully converted into, like, if you, like, walk up to an outbound wormhole and, like, stick your arm in, you can pull your arm back out. We yes, see this all the time. So you could probably do it with an incoming wormhole as well. So clearly, on some level, it's aware of. Well, maybe the, you couldn't the, do it on an incoming wormhole because it's not doing whatever it needs to do at the Stargate side to. No, but, but clearly, like, both ends of the gate need to be aware of like the full body of matter that's passing through them, and so it's not going to like do its thing until the whole body of matter crosses the threshold. Which raises another point: How did? Teal'c's harpoon work. Because the harpoon crossed through. Right, but it was attached to the rope that didn't fully cross through. Hmm. The Stargate Wiki explains that by saying that it was four, it, it would be another four years before they established that it waits until the entire body crosses through. So they actually do establish it? Yeah, in Atlantis. In 38 minutes. 
Huh. Because they that's what they say that even it that if the Stargate shuts off, what's currently in the gate will be destroyed because it never because it will not pass through until the entire object passes through. Oh, okay. Hmm. But since that was an episode that takes place f- that four years after this one, that was a retcon, and this doesn't apply to that. Fair enough. But what should apply to this? No, nah, it's fine. Yeah, like I was wondering if Teal was going to like like sprint and do like a flying leap through the gate and try to like use like a like an ice like one of those like ice claw hammer things that ice climbers use, mm-hmm. and do like like the dual arm flaily thing to try to like grab into the wall. <laughs> As he got to the other side. That would be cool. That'd be much more dramatic television. Yes, it would. But anyway, yeah, so Teal goes through the gate and pitons himself to the wall so that he can start drilling up through the top to get to the surface. Yep, and they leave the gate open as long as they can. 38 minutes. Yeah, so that he has light and communication with them. Uh, Yeah, and if they'd had the whole thing of like, well, wait a second. If... If the particle beam melted the Nakoda in the first place, mm-hmm. wouldn't have been able to like keep melting. Kind of be like teal. Get to the other side and like get as close to like the like as far away from the co- like the tip of the cone as you can. We're going to fire the particle beam at the tip of the cone. Or why didn't they just keep firing the particle beam until it broke the whole way through before sending teal through? Just like keep throwing maps at the problem until they've determined they've made a hole. Yeah, maps are more <laughs> expendable than teal. That's very true. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we spent a lot of time pontificating on this episode. This is going much longer than I thought it was going to. We, t- we promised you 45 minutes. We, we promised and we lied. Yes. So, uh, there is a scene where Lara is going to throw away Teal's old clothes. She takes him down to the river to do so. And she fiddles with his radio, whose batteries are still good. Apparently. Maybe it had been turned off and she just now turns it on? She did turn it on. We hear a click. But still, it's like, but still? A hundred day shelf life? That's impressive. Alright, so what kind of batteries would these have been? Uh, in the year 2000? I'm thinking it would have just been alkaline batteries. Probably not. No, no, no. no. It looks like there's contacts on the bottom for recharging, so it's probably nickel metal hydride. Yeah, no, there's no way then. If they were alkaline, yeah, they would probably still be fine. There's no way an IMH lasts that long. Yeah. And lithium would also probably have discharged. uh, Certainly 90s lithium, or early 2000 lithium. Yeah. So So anyway, yeah. so she happens to turn on the radio just when Sam is saying 20 seconds to shut down. So right in the nick of time. Yeah. That evening, they're having their evening meal. Jack's trying to explain curling. I don't blame him for no one else get like no one really getting it. Curling's a weird game to explain. It is. Well, curling had entered the zeitgeist at this point because it was in the Olympics. Oh, okay. That makes more sense now. Anyway, Lara brings up the radio thing and out the door Jack goes. Yeah. Well, Lara had been debating whether or not she was going to tell tell Jack about this. Right. Which is fair. Yes. We're only so, human. Mm-hmm. So Jack makes it makes a beeline for the crater. Starts calling out. Teal comes back through the radio, and Jack says, I've got you on RDF signal. Yes. Do you know what that is? Radio directional finding. Okay. So it's a thing? Yes. Cool. I don't know if you can do it with just one radio off another. Well, no, no. You definitely could, because it, it would go off signal strength. It would be better if you had two, because you could like, more quickly triangulate. But if Jack 
Jack apparently has a really good idea of like where the gate was, so <laughs> he can zero in pretty quickly. And he and Garen get to work to dig from the top while Teal just takes a break as Teal stops digging from the bottom. <laughs> yeah, so curling had been reintroduced to the Winter Olympics in 1998. So, yes, it was part of the cultural zeitgeist in 2000. And plus, it's, the, it's a Canadian-produced show, so they would have known about it anyway. Sure, sure. So. But, yeah. Yeah, so he digs Teal out. They somehow, they then spend who knows how much time uh completely taking out the gate well at this point he probably got help from the rest of the villagers because now they know that the rest of the village they can break the rest of the, yeah yeah and then they dial out somehow do they or did they dial in the sgc was not going to dial back in because once they did they would vaporize teal uh okay well i thought maybe they had like planned to do it after like 48 hours or something because they figured either teal made it or he's dead at that point no Yes, but if Teal'c had made it, he would need time to get with Jack and then dig out the rest of the gate, and they wouldn't want to—they wouldn't want to like turn it on accidentally. So, future knowledge: they do dig up the DHD because we see it in Shades of Grey. So, yes, they dig up the DHD and dial out. Yeah, and that's pretty much the episode. Yes, we do have a scene where Jack says goodbye to Lara. He says he's not happy about leaving. Yeah, he asks her to join him, and she says this is her home. So. Right, and Jack says he's he, he'll come back and visit, which is exactly what he says to everyone, and we never see him visit anyone. And yeah, so, and the really cold thing is that he will come back, but he won't visit. He's cold-blooded. Yeah. And, as you had mentioned earlier, Shades of Grey is next week's episode. Yes, which is what... We should have seen Shades of Grey all over the ground because of the ash in the air, so... We didn't, so now we're just going to have a whole episode about it. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it was, it's like a weird... Uh, we, oh, our listeners know that we try to find like weird ways to shoehorn the next week's title It into, was a bad one, I admit. Especially as like, we'd already like, established, like, we were done, like, we were ready to go, and you're like, no, I want to do it. <laughs> so... Thanks for listening this week. If you enjoyed this, you should also check out our other podcast, Delta Flyer. You can find and review both on your podcast player of choice, and you can also reach us at our email address, stargateweekly at gmail.com. I'm at Gamicus on Twitter. And I'm at Tyrannicus. And you can follow the show at Stargate Weekly. And that's our show. Yeah. Yeah, she was expecting to do, like, 79 or something, and it's doing more than that. It's like, that'd be what, like, 93? I don't know, is that math good? Because in Ergo, we did uh, we were not so good with math. Where? When? You said <laughs> that Jack trusts Daniel every, every other Tuesday, and I said about yeah, 20%, yeah. and you said, yeah, like, every other Tuesday. No. No, that's not close to 20%. <laughs> yeah, like every other Tuesday.
Yeah, but every other Tuesday is one fourteenth. I know. <laughs> and I don't divide by 14 in my head, so I don't actually know what the percentage is, but it's a lot lower than 20. It's less than 10. It's 7. Oh. I feel like I should have been able to do that in my head. It's 7 and change, but... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so every other Tuesday. <laughs>